0: Web 2.0 innovation Trend Trends. collaboration Marketing. software metadata.
1: <inaudible> Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help. Legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Myle. Welcome to the Kennedy Myle Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 306 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we looked into the relatively new phenomenon of legal tech and innovation labs and programs in law schools, a topic of special interest to me, and maybe to you too after you listen to that episode. In this episode, we wanted to revisit Microsoft 365 and consider the whole Microsoft 365 stack, which you might find
0: is much bigger than you thought. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be talking about the constantly growing universe of Microsoft 365. In the second segment, we'll stick with Microsoft and consider whether moving to Windows 11 is hot or not. And as usual, we'll finish off with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start using the second that this podcast is over. But first up, Microsoft 365, the whole stack. Uh, We talk a lot about Microsoft 365 on this podcast. We are both big fans. I know a lot of our listeners are subscribers, Um, but we are always finding out that a lot of lawyers are still surprised to learn just how powerful the suite of tools has become and is becoming. And many lawyers just aren't aware that some of the tools even exist. So we thought we'd spend some time diving into what's available, why lawyers should care, what some of our favorites are, uh, what you should be paying attention to. So, um, Dennis, why don't you get started? What surprised you most or what surprises you most about the Microsoft current Microsoft 365 stack?
1: Well, I think it, there really are a lot of uh, applications in there. So um, I, I went into my uh, Michigan State University Microsoft 365 account, and there was a one list of apps that had 25 of them. Um, and then I scrolled down, and there was an all apps list, uh, that had 32 items. Now, some of these are, you know, clearly specialized academic apps, like a one called Class Notebook. Uh, But 25 different apps is a a lot more than I expected. In my home subscription to Microsoft 365, I I saw 16 apps. Uh, So I I think just that that sheer number is what will surprise most people because you may just think that uh, Microsoft 365 is just the standard office apps. And and I guess, Tom, that's one thing that maybe we should explain is – People use the, the terms Office 365 and Microsoft 365 interchangeably. So uh, what's the
0: explanation for that? Actually, I think Microsoft would prefer now that you not use the terms interchangeably. I think they would prefer that Microsoft 365 be the, the, the term of preference moving forward. And here's why. Um, although I'm not sure that I have this answer 100% myself, which is, History-wise, we are all familiar, I think, with Microsoft Office, which has been Word and PowerPoint and Outlook and Excel and... I think Microsoft was hesitant to get away from the branding of the Office. It's a popular Office suite, um, although the products were doing so much more than that. So for a while, it was called Office 365. Um, then in 2020, Microsoft went all in and officially changed the branding to Microsoft 365. So frankly, if you look for Office 365 on the internet, you will not find references, at least from a Microsoft standpoint, around around Microsoft, uh, uh, that, that has that branding. So that's the cur- Microsoft 365, and I'm gonna say M365 when I'm talking about it throughout here, because it's just an easier shortcut, um, is really the correct branding for, uh, for what you see here. But, but if, you want, if you want the free online versions of the standard Office tools, because you can still get Word, Excel, PowerPoint, uh, you can get all of those for free, you can create free documents online, you can get a free account at office.com, not Office 365, it's office.com. Now, when I go to office.com, it actually puts me into my Microsoft 365 account. Um, so I can't, I, I can. you can get, if you go to office.com and you don't have an account, it will take you to a page where it allows you to sign up for that free account. But I would say that in general, Microsoft would prefer that you not, um, that you not use Office 365. I think Microsoft 365 is the preferred branding moving forward.
1: Yeah, and I think it's part of the Microsoft tradition, especially like a, with Word, Excel and things like that to make it as difficult as possible for you to do like a normal Google search on the, the terms and find find what you want because the, the naming is so generic. Uh, that editorial comment aside, I, I think, that what's interesting about this whole topic, Tom, is it gets us back to one of our our, uh, main podcast themes over the years, is that you might already own apps and functionality that you want um, and not realize that you have it. And you might be sitting around going, oh, I wish I could do this or that, or I could do this better. And Microsoft 365, with your account, you may already have those things in in the different different apps. Um, and so so that's uh, that's one thing that, that I think is great. Uh, so I, I talked about, you know, the numbers I found, Tom, but uh, how, how would the, the average lister find out what they have in, in Office 365? And, uh, and, and I know that's not this, I've shown it's not the same for everybody, but
0: how do you figure out what you have? And then maybe how do you make changes to your account? So to see what you have in your account, and Dennis, you you see you say that you have 16 apps in your personal account. Um, I looked at mine. I have a, a business standard account, and I have somewhere around, I think, 25 or 26, no, 29 apps. So I'm guessing that the difference between my account and your Michigan State account is that there are some educational apps that are in there that are not part of what I have. So um, I've got, it's a business standard account, close to 30 apps that are part of it. To see what you have, two ways to do that. Assuming that you already have a subscription, go to either office.com, or portal.office.com, you will get a home page there that will be, I think, an extremely useful page because it'll show you all the documents you've recently edited. It's got if anything you've got there that that's recent. You can get to it from that page without having to open up any application whatsoever. Um, But if you want to see what apps you have, click on the grid. It's called the App Launcher. It's in the upper left corner. It looks like a a big grid of 4 by 4 It will show you the primary list of apps. But if you've got more, there will be a link that says All Apps. So click on that, and that will give you the entire listing of everything available to you under your plan. And it's not just apps that Microsoft 365 provides you. If you happen to connect a third-party app, to your Microsoft 365 account, it's going to show those as well. So for example, I have links in my list to Mira, the brainstorming tool. I have one to Zapier because I've been playing around with connecting that to to something. And so um, I have those that are listed too. So it tries to give you not just the apps that that Microsoft provides you, but anything that might be connected to it as well.
1: Yeah, and so I, I think that the The point is that your mileage may vary depending on the plan that you have, um, and so you want to understand that, and that will uh, so. Some of the things we we'll talk about in the the rest of this episode, you might or or might not have. The other thing that can happen is that in, if you're in an organization, uh, some of these apps might not be enabled, um, and so you might think, "Well, I get you know this this product as part of the plan, and it's not available," or you can see that you have something like. Um, like Microsoft Project could be kind of like a, a premium product, but uh, may not be actually, uh, you may have to have specific permission to be able to use it in your organization. So there are some things that you need to think about along those lines. I like to think of these apps in terms of categories and, and you know, rightly or, or wrongly, I have, have five categories. So there's the core apps, uh, which are the office programs, you know, Word, PowerPoint, Excel, Outlook, uh, things I call helper apps, power apps, collaboration apps, and experimental apps. So the core apps as I said, that almost go needs no explanation. Uh, that's your standard office program. So, as you dig deeper, you're going to find these other things. And so, that first category f- for for me is helper apps. And I don't know, Tom. Do you want to do you want to
0: take that one, or should I, I I talk that one through? I think it's interesting that you categorize them that way. I will only quibble with you in in two ways. One is that to me, in a sense, every app in this in this whole portfolio is a collaboration app. You know, uh, with the exception of one or two, every tool has collaboration features that are part of it. Um, but I think that in order to divide it up and think about uh, the way that you're the, the way that you're doing is helpful because it achieves specific purposes. The other thing to think about, and and as we start talking about some of these, is that um, some of the apps sound similar or like they might do the same thing. So many of you say, "Well, what's the difference between OneDrive and SharePoint?" or "What's the difference between To Do and Planner?" And the, re- the 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 basic answer to that is that Microsoft is trying to provide both individual and group tools to you. So think about OneDrive as your personal storage, SharePoint as your group or collaboration storage, and then To-do as your personal task manager and planner as the group or collaboration task manager. So um, they each have a place. They each are there. And depending on whether you want to use them or not, they're both useful. They have different features as a result. But that's the other way I would think about some of these is that some are designed with you in mind as the user, but some of them or most of them are designed with collaboration features in mind. So do you want to start, Dennis, talk about Helper or...
1: Yeah, I'll talk about Helper because I I think there's also a little bit of notion sometimes of overlap uh, in some of these two. So with the Helper apps, my examples are the To-Do app, the Planner app, the Whiteboard app, which is really surprise one that surprises people because you're trying to figure out like, Oh, what kind of, I'd love to have a whiteboard tool. I'm trying to look at these ones that are out there. They're like a little bit complicated. I, you know, have to do things and you go like, Oh wait, there's a whiteboard uh, already built into Microsoft. I they have. Um, and there's a great calendar appointment app called bookings where you can open your calendar and, l- and allow people to book appointments with people typically have used a, a third party app. So like to do, Uh, You know, there's there's a task, you know, task list in Outlook. I just think that to do for for many people works a little bit more like a to do list and um, isn't sort of buried within Outlook. So I think you have these little. Uh, almost like productivity, little productivity apps., uh, but the these helper apps, I think, are great. So you can get a better to-do list. the the planner tool, as, as Tom mentioned, and the whiteboard. and then that that calendar booking uh, the bookings thing is is great. That's really helpful when you can just let people make appointments at the times you open up on your calendar.
0: One of the things that's helpful also that I think Microsoft does is is that it makes some of these tools available to you in ways that would be useful um, because of the type of app they are. So, for example, To Do, the To Do List app, by the way... It's based on an older tool that you may be familiar with called Vunderlist. Vunderlist was something that Microsoft bought many years ago. Um, A lot of people were unhappy about that purchase. So Microsoft has really tried very hard to incorporate as much of Vunderlist into um, To-Do. I'm not sure how successful they are. I still prefer To-Do personally, so I don't use it that often. But you can download a separate to-do app to your phone. You can have it on your tablet as a separate app. You don't have to go and access office.com to get to your to-do list. You have a a separate way. So in a sense, it's separate, but it's connected to Microsoft 365. Similarly, Planner. Planner, um, one of the nice things about Microsoft 365 is that you can get to all of your Planner tasks at tasks.office.com, if you go to that website, that will take you. Let's say that you have you're you're a member of a bunch of different groups. Uh, I I we we set our teams up in uh, at, at work based on our clients, and I set up a planner board for each one of the clients so I can track the to-dos for each client that we have. And at Tasks, all of those boards come together. So you can see what are the tasks that I have across all of my clients or all of my projects or all of whatever and however you set that up. So it's nice that it's separate and apart. You can get to Planner within a project or a team, or you can look at everything all together in one place. So I think that's, that's one of the nice things that Microsoft does is that it gives you options on how you access some of these tools, either as part of other tools or separate and standalone, depending on what they're useful for.
1: Then the next category I have is what I call Power Apps. And I chose this because uh, two of the tools, one's called Power Automate one's called Power BI. So it's just a natural title for the, the category. But those would be two examples, uh, Forms, which allows you to put together forms um, and uh uh, like Google Forms to do surveys and, and those sorts of things and, and keep the data. Um, there there are some other apps uh, that are analytics. Uh, two I noticed, one called Viva Insights and one called Delve uh, that allow you to do, uh, you know, some data analytics. Um, I would probably throw those into that, that power category. But these are the things where you can, can automate um, and you can do, uh, actually, I would say more, computational type apps. So um, I think that power is is a good word, but uh, the sort of forms and uh, a little bit of of data analytics.
0: Totally agree. And they each have kind of a different format. So Power Automate is really like a Zapier or um, an IFTTT. Um, which is uh, a workflow tool. So it, it helps you to automate workflows throughout the organization. Incredibly helpful. I use it all the time. Um, Power Apps is how you can build applications to do that analysis. You can build databases from within Microsoft 365. Um, tools like Delve and Viva have slightly different angles. Delve can tell you what you and your team are working on. It it. it Shows you access to documents that you have. I mean, shows you statistics about documents that you have access to. It doesn't give you access to other things that other people are working on, um, uh, unless you ha- also have access to it. But it helps tell you kind of what's going on with the documents that you are working with with other members of your team. And then, um, and then, Viva Insights is almost a little bit more of a of a wellness tool because it tells you how how many meetings you're in per week. It it helps you schedule focus time uh, during the week, and it's really looking out for making you a more productive user. So they're all approaching analytics from a slightly different way. Um, I think they're all; those are all really interesting parts of the stack.
1: So the next category I call collaboration. Not surprisingly, I agree with uh, Tom that uh, that there definitely is a. a- uh, a collaboration theme to all of Microsoft 365. But these these things, uh, in this, this bucket, I have Microsoft Teams, obviously, uh, OneNote, which is kind of a core program, but I've always felt that OneNote makes the most sense when you're collaborating with people. There's an app called Lists, uh, OneDrives, uh, which... You know, is is sort of your online hard drive, but it's so easy to share Uh, if you're in an organization it uses SharePoint, SharePoint. And then um, in certain plans and in certain organizations, you would have uh, Microsoft Project, which is uh, a tool that's commonly used for uh, project management.
0: Yeah, project is available by a separate subscription that sometimes your firm will buy for you. Sometimes you have to buy yourself if you don't have it. It is not part of the standard offering you would need. That would be a separate add on. I won't say much more about it. I think this is really, to me, the core function of Microsoft 365, which is the collaboration abilities. And um, we've talked so much about a lot of these tools that I'm not sure I have anything to add about these here. So. And then I had a final category, which uh, I resisted the
1: temptation to call miscellaneous to cover the other things. I, I, I sort of called it experimental because there are some uh, apps in there like Sway, which kind of... F- in a certain sense, kind of falls into the presentation category, I guess. Uh, but there's some other things out there, and probably Viva and Delve are example also of these things that um, it, it appears that Microsoft is is trying some new things and seeing how how they work uh, within the, the world of Microsoft 365. I don't know. Tom, is that experimental a good way to, to categorize?
0: Well, my only quibble there is that I don't believe Microsoft is a company that actually experiments on anything publicly. Um, I think that they want to do everything behind the scenes and give you somewhat fully evolved services. But to that extent, to a certain extent, and I'm actually going to talk in the next segment about some apps that I think are closer to to experimental that haven't even come out yet – But I think to a certain extent, because Microsoft 365 is constantly evolving, they are updating it on an iterative basis. It is, you're getting new features added literally every week. So there's an element of experimental in a lot of the tools that you have. Um, And I think that the ones you described are things that are works in progress and they may not be things that people are ready to work on, but they are things that Microsoft finds interesting And uh, they are constantly working to improve and add new features to it. So I thought maybe we just kind
1: of uh, compare notes on which apps uh, did we you know, are just starting to play with maybe interests us the most or they're sort of outside the, the core. And so for me, uh, really interested in bookings and allowing, you know, kind of taking myself out of the process of setting up appointments. Uh, so that's what I'm looking at. Uh, the Microsoft Forms, uh, like I say, for surveys and other things that uh, in the past I might have used Google Forms for. Uh, Planner is a lightweight Project management sort of tool is interesting to me, and then then the, the whiteboard tool. Um, I'm just looking in teaching and otherwise to have like a really simple whiteboard that that people can use. So those probably are the the four I would say that um, I've I have the most interested in, interest in at the moment that I would play around with.
0: So I'm going to take a little bit of a different tack, um, and I'm going to talk about what I think is one of the single most important applications in the whole stack but it's only useful to you if you are probably a small firm or if you have, if you're in a a larger firm but you have access to the administration panel. What's nice about M365 is, is that if you are an owner, if you have that certain level of permission, the administration area gives you complete control over your entire M365 account and it really is extremely powerful. You can manage users. You can manage teams. You can manage groups. I have to say, I you know, my account that I have, my business standard is just for me personally. It's because I like the tool. I like to use it. And but occasionally I'll have problems. The customer support from right within the admin panel is tremendous. It's just me. I'm just one guy. I'm not a big company calling up for support, and I get great technical support from right within the panel. I love it. There are administrative control centers for SharePoint, for compliance, for security, for exchange, for your email. If you have a bigger license, there are E5 licenses you have access to Advanced e-discovery, where you can place legal holds on everything in your M365 environment. You can conduct searches and review information if that ever becomes an issue where you have to place a legal hold on your information. If you take a look at the security area, we've talked in the past about the Microsoft Secure Score where you can see how secure your information is and it will give you specific steps to do that. Um, And then the health, the service health area, if you feel like something is working a little sluggishly, you can go to the health area. It will tell you the health of each one of Microsoft services. And, And what I particularly like about that area is that there's a message center in there. And the message center is something that is updated. Um, there are probably 30 to 40 messages a week about new features that are coming out. And I religiously visit that once a week to see what are the new things that Microsoft is doing. Um, and I that, that's where I get most of my new information to see what's coming out. In terms of apps that you may more likely use, Power Automate is one of my favorite ones because you can you know, you know, can automate something that you are already doing in a way that's probably not very productive. So someone in your firm can start a workflow to review a document. Um, and you get a notification when it's your turn, and then the next person gets a notification when it's their turn. And the document stays in place the entire time. It doesn't go anywhere until everybody reviews it. For me, I've set up very simple automation because I'm not a, a to-do or a planner user outside for my personal stuff, I like to manage all my tasks in Todoist. Anytime somebody in the company assigns me a task in Planner, I get that that task shows up for me in Todoist automatically, and so I'm able to manage it. I like it that way. But here's the deal, and let me go on a, a little bit of a not really a rant, but an extended extended commentary. Microsoft is doing what it did it is doing what it did since the time that it robbed the Netscape browser of its market share 25 years ago. It finds a tool that's popular, it builds one of its own and it gives it away for free. And the thing is, not all the tools that Microsoft offers as part of Microsoft 365 are as powerful as some third-party alternatives that are out there. I think that Todoist is more powerful than To-do or Planner. I think Trello is more powerful than Planner is. To be, for example, I think that Calendly is probably a better bookings tool than Bookings happens to be. You would, you would say that Open Text or Net Documents are better document management systems than SharePoint. But here's the compelling argument. Maybe you don't need all the bells and whistles of any of those tools that will cost you a whole lot more than Microsoft 365, which you are going to need anyway because you need Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and Outlook. Microsoft is counting on that. If you need the power, then you can and should justify the expense of buying or using those other tools. But a lot of these tools are just good enough to get things done. We work with so many companies who say, why should we invest millions of dollars on getting a document management system in where we can make SharePoint work for all of our document management needs? So many companies are doing that these days because it is good enough to do that sort of stuff, which is why I think Microsoft succeeds here. So I, the only other thing that I'll quickly add is, is that there's some new apps that are coming up. I'm really excited about. Um, one is called Fluid Components, where you can actually work with somebody in real time and collaborate. You can, you know, create something in there, and the person who's on the other line can edit while you're editing. It's almost, uh, it's almost like uh, Google Wave, uh, maybe. And um, they actually are also introducing a new tool called Loop which um, if you look at some of the critics out there say looks a lot like Notion. And uh, so some people are thinking that uh, Microsoft is trying to drive Notion out of business by giving people a similar tool called Loop for free. That's not out yet, but we'll see uh, a little bit later. Dennis, sorry for the extended talk, but I uh, had a lot to say there.
1: No, I, I think that you, you made a great a great point there because uh, I, th- I think that they, uh, in a lot of cases, they are lightweight. Um, so there's not all the features that you get in some of these dedicated tools. Um, so I think that's important. So you can kind of experiment a little bit with with these things. The other thing that uh, that struck me with what you were saying is that in in some cases, your your IT department will not let you uh, use these other apps. And right. So you would say, oh, I'd like to have Calendly, and they go like, no, you can't do that, or we need six months to review it, and you have bookings right there, and you can accomplish – you know, pretty You know, let's let's say eighty percent of of what you need, or maybe a hundred percent, if all you're saying. I just want to open up my calendar and let people put appointments in there and and get notified. So I think that's the other thing. I also think they're just great way to get started in some some areas. So Tom talked about Power Automate. You know, to do some simple automations. I would say forms is another way that you can do some things to collect information. Uh, some of the you know, the simple project management tools uh, can help you uh, manage projects and see what's happening in, in workflow and with deadlines and stuff. And, and some of the simple analytics uh, things are great. So I, so I think it's one of those things where I can get a taste of, of something, have something that reason, you know, reasonably works, fairly, you know, fairly easy to learn. And if I outgrow it, I outgrow it. And then I can make the case to go to a more sophisticated product.
0: Well, we're both bullish on Microsoft 365. If you have it, then you should be taking a look at it. There's no excuse not to start experimenting on some of these tools. Um, We definitely think it's worth it. So we look forward to hearing from you on uh, on your experimentation with the different M365 tools that are out there. All right, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And it's time for another segment of Hot or Not.
1: We pick a tech topic in the news and decide whether it is hot or not. We'll probably not agree in our assessments, but it's a fun way to hear our perspectives on tech topics. This time, our topic is moving to Windows 11. Tom, what's your
0: thermometer reading on this one? Well, the thermometer gave me two readings this time. Uh, If you're an early adopter like me, then moving to Windows 11 is pretty hot why not upgrade to something more modern, more sophisticated, more secure uh, with more bells and whistles? Um, I think that there are some, you know, I would, we were talking about this before we recorded it. I think that a lot of the new bells and whistles are more evolutionary than revolutionary. There's nothing just must have. But here are the ones that are interesting to me. Um one, new look and feel. I like the new look and feel. They, they put some new sounds in there when you hit the backspace button and you come to the end of something. It used to give a sound. Now it gives a completely much more calming sound that I really love you can now run Android apps on your Windows device. If you're an Android user, if that's useful to you, you can install and run an Android app, which I've actually tried to do. It's not quite ready for prime time, but that is a very interesting feature to me. Um, You now can install widgets, so you can put weather or news widgets in and see what's going on. Um, You can create different virtual desktops. So um, if you want to create a desktop for work, a desktop for personal, if you have a Uh, if you happen to be a gamer in your spare time you can create a separate desktop for gaming and you can easily switch between those desktops so you're keeping those uh, programs and other things separate from each other. One of the things that I really like is that they have something new called snap layouts that if you hover your mouse over that, um, that, that button in the middle if you up at the top of every window there's one that minimizes there's one that maximizes and then there's the X. If you hover your your mouse over the maximize button. Snap layout appears. There are f- six preset layouts for your applications. So let's, uh, and, and and I'm using one of them for this recording right now. It has it has three different places. They, they're divided up equally. You hit that one and you can then, it'll ask you, what do you want in your first one? And I chose my recording program, Audacity. What do you want in your second one? I chose Zoom, what we're talking to each other on. And what do you want in their third one? I chose Word, which is where our scripts are. And it immediately put them in their right place. And I didn't have to resize them or have them op- uh, over Overlap. I really like it. Anyway, all right, so that was way too long on the features. I'll come back here and say, on the other hand, upgrading to a new Windows system does have some qualifications. First is the hardware issue. If you have a brand new computer, it's no sweat. But if your computer is older than 2019, you your hardware may not be strong enough. In fact, if you have a seventh generation or earlier Intel processor, you can find that out by going into your settings and looking for it. You won't really even get the option to upgrade. I don't think it, Microsoft even lets you have that. There is a way to force um, in- installation, even if you have older equipment, but it's a lot more manual, it's complicated, it's not something I recommend. Um, there are always features that are removed in Windows 10 that, that, that you won't see in 11, so that may be hard. Um, in the past... Bugs ha- are a reason. They usually say, let's let's hold off until they've ironed all the bugs out. I have to say, I've been using Windows 11 on my home computer for several months with very few issues. Um, I'm really not having any problems. So I don't think that the bug excuse is a reason not to do it. Um, you know, the good news is Microsoft isn't forcing you to move to Windows 11 anytime soon. Um, if, if you really aren't comfortable doing it, The major feature update is supposed to roll out in July of 2022, so from about seven months from when we're six months from when we're recording right now. Um, But if you're an early adopter like me, I think the temperature is hot. If you're not quite sure, if you've got a separate computer to play around with, maybe install on that computer and and leave your work computer for other things. Otherwise, I would say the temperature is perfect. The water's fine. Come on in, but don't feel obligated if you're not ready. All right, i I spent more time talking than I should have, Dennis. How do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I, I'm just like a little cooler than you are, but I think the the you know the temperature is a little bit varied on this one because for me, if uh, when it comes to a new version of Windows, I'm like everything else, I like to upgrade everything or and update things as fast as I can for security uh, reasons uh, alone. Um, so generally, I, I'm running the the latest and, and greatest. So that's that's one reason to do it. I think if you're in the corporate type of environment, your IT department is going to tell you when you're going to up, upgrade, and so you might not even be a, allowed to upgrade. I think if you have a new, if you're buying a new Windows computer, did you just get Windows 11 on it. I I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even think about. Uh, doing any anything else other than that and then if you if you are doing an upgrade I just think it's one of those things where you say do you know like how much time is going to be involved which is usually uh you know much more than you think and uh you know what is the work you need to do to do that um just in case something you get a little blip or, or something. So you definitely back up and, and do all those sorts of things. But it's sort of like, do I have the time to do it? I think the natural times are when, when you get a, a, a new computer, you know, just go ahead and, and do that then. But I'm intrigued. And as you move to a different version of an operating system, sort of the best uh, programmers. Uh, continue to work on that one, and they gradually phase people out of the older systems. So it becomes the more secure place that the places be, and you have better performance. There are definitely performance enhancements in Windows 11. So I think it's varied, Tom, I'm with you. I think we're on the warmish side, but I may not be quite as warm with you because it's gonna be ice cold if your IT department tells you you can't do anything. So now it's time for parting shots at one tip website or observation. You can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away.
0: So I'm actually going to stick with Windows 11 um, as my tip. One of the other features that they have um, is something that we're seeing um, I- iOS users, so you're getting out on your iPhone and your iPad, and Android users too, which are what they call focus sessions. So in Windows 11, if you pull up your clock in Windows 11, you now have a new option to create a focus session to help you focus. So you set a focus time. You want to focus for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. When get to 45 minutes it starts to assign you a break saying you need to take a break if you're going to work for at least 45 minutes it will track that daily practice for you You can gamify it you can see what your streak is and you can sign in with your m365 account and connect it to your to-do so you can say i want to focus on these tasks during my focus session. Um, you can also enhance your focus by connecting to your Spotify account and uh, and listen to music. So I think it's nice to see Microsoft is joining the whole focus productivity bandwagon. Um, I think it's wor- something worth trying out.
1: Yeah, does it let you pretend you're focusing when you're really just watch- looking at Twitter every every two minutes
0: all focus tools all focus (laughs) tools will let you do that
1: so so my my parting shot is uh and i mentioned jet pens before which is this this cool little company that does all kinds of uh stationary products so pens pencils uh notebooks those sorts of things primarily japanese but but other other types as well so one of the things they do are these guides to like uh, oh you know what are the best pens what are the best pencils but the one I really like, um, and I know Tom would like as well, is uh, they have a guide for left-handed pens. And so if you're left-handed, the, like people talk about their favorite fountain pens, you know, dry erase is another bad one. If you're left-handed, you just get that ink all over your your hand. And uh, and so the fact that they've identified these hands that are, are, are pens that are really well suited to left-handers is great. Uh, link in the show notes, Uh, take a tour around the site. Um, They do great videos and the guides are great. It will introduce you to lots of things um, that you didn't know that you need that will make your life much easier.
0: And so that wraps up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode at the Legal Talk Network sites uh, page for this show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site where you can find archives of all of our previous episodes along with transcripts. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us on LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, or remember, we love to get those voicemails. Give us a voicemail at 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile.